Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. But there are some, there are some certain services for a church that should definitely be beneficial for a believer. I think of coming up to this Christmas season. I think about next Sunday night, our pie and praise night. Uh, what a great night to come in and to just lift up the Lord and leave. Hopefully next Sunday night, we're leaving kind of filled with a spirit of gratitude. Man, next Sunday night should be a beneficial service. I think about Christmas services. Uh, man, this year, it's exciting. Uh, you talk to Pastor Brian, and Brian is, is excited about Christmas Day being on a Sunday. He's excited about that. Him and I talked about it. I thought, man, what a great thing. That's happened, I think, two or three times since we've started the church that we've had Christmas on a Sunday. And we get to come in, and even though uh, it may, may interrupt your normal Christmas routine of staying in your PJs all day and, or whatever your routine is, uh, man, we're going to be able to come in and on Christmas Day celebrate the, the birth of Christ and gather together with believers. That's, that hopefully will be a special day. I think about Resurrection Sundays. And Easter every year is a big day at most churches. Why? It's kind of that day that you expect to go in and, and something, I mean, be encouraged and be reminded of the resurrection and leave just, just so thankful for what God has done. There are certain services that we expect to go in and leave better. Well, the Lord's table, participating in the Lord's table, communion, uh, participating in the Lord's Supper, whatever you want to call it, participating in that, that is a service that we would expect to go into and come out better. But when we come to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 11, we're going to discover that Paul, he writes to the believers about their Lord's table service, and he says, hey, listen, this service isn't helping you. You're, you're not better for coming to church. You're actually worse for coming to this service. It's, it would be better for you to have stayed home, not participated in the Lord's table, not been around other believers, not worshiped in song, not heard a message. It would have been better for you to just stay home. And I hope that that would never be said of us. And so tonight, we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and ask ourselves two questions. The first question we're going to ask tonight is, what were the Corinthians doing wrong? What were they doing wrong so we don't go down that road? And then the second question is, what were they instructed to do? What were the Corinthians doing wrong, and then what were they instructed to do? And that's what we're going to look at tonight as we dig into this topic of the Lord's table, uh, the, Lord, the Lord's Supper, and I think that it will be a help to us tonight. So let's stand. We're just going to start with one verse. <clears throat> just going to start with one verse tonight. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 17. We read these words. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. This is Paul starting this topic of the Lord's table, and he's going to tell them, now, here's something I want to tell you. I'm not praising you for this. I'm actually saying that when you come together, it's not for the better. It's for the worse. You've got some things wrong. When you're coming together, you're not profiting from it. It's of no help to you. It would have been more beneficial for you just to let that nap last a little longer. 
than if you would have come. I don't ever want that to be said about me, about my gathering to worship, or about the believers that I gather with. And so again, why was it being said and what's the instruction they can get, they should get from it and that we can get from it? We'll look at that tonight. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take just a moment and in the quietness of your own heart, would you just ask the Lord to help you tonight? Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you again for the word. We thank you for how you use it uh, each time it's opened, how you use it to help us. And Lord, we just wanna come before you and we wanna pray that as we go through the service tonight, Father, that you would speak to us and you would help us, that you would remind us of the, the emphasis and of the, um, just the blessing that church overall should be but then there are some specific things that should be a blessing. And Lord, would you remind us of those services and of that tonight? We love you. Thank you for all you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> Paul writes to them, and he's addressing this special service of the Lord's table. And we're going to see him talk about that tonight. But he says that statement. He says, it would be better for you to have stayed home. It's not for the better, but for the worse. It's not profiting you, but it's actually hurting you. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I think what a hard statement. What a hard statement. Think about this. Uh, think about coming to church on a, on a Sunday morning or coming to church on a Sunday night, experiencing everything and then leaving and, and the Lord saying, ah, you should have stayed home today. <laughs> Would have been better, you would have been better off if you would have just stayed home. And that's, that's a hard statement. And so why would Paul say these things? So tonight for the first question I wanna look at is what were the Corinthians doing wrong? Why would Paul say this? If you know the book of 1 Corinthians, then you know that Paul, uh, we just covered this book quite a bit last year. We, got, we were in this study and uh, finished it in November or December of last year, I think. But Paul wrote to this church and he wrote to them, hey, listen, you have a lot of issues. Hey, church at Corinth, you think you have a lot, you think you have a lot of things together, but you guys are a messed up group of believers, but man, God has hope for you and God has some things in store for you. And so Paul writes to them to help correct a lot of those things. Now, here's what's interesting. If you go and you read a lot of the, uh, the way that 1 Corinthians 11 is written, the believers at Corinth, they had written Paul a letter and asked him a bunch of questions. But intermingled in those questions were some, a few topics where they thought they were nailing it. You know what I mean by nailing it? They thought they were getting it right. And so they wrote, and perhaps the letter was something like, hey, Paul, would you help us with relationships? Hey, Paul, would you help us with sin? Hey, Paul, listen, here's what we're doing on the Lord's table. Don't you think it's great? That was almost the, we don't need help in this area. That's why we'll read the phrase, I praise you not, time and time again, is in connection with probably the letter that they sent back. This is an area that they thought they were getting things right. They thought everything was good, but Paul writes to them in these verses that we're going to read tonight, and he says, hey, you weren't getting it right. 
You're doing some things wrong. So what were they doing wrong? Well, number one, they were divided. What were the Corinthians doing wrong? They were divided. Look, if you would, at verse 17 down through verse number 19. Paul says, now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the, for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies. That word heresies would be factions. There also must be divisions, factions among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. This church of Corinth, they were, they were divided. Now the church of Corinth, they celebrated the Lord's table like many other churches did at that time. How did they celebrate? Well, they would actually have what would be called the agape feast with the Lord's table. What is the agape feast? Well, agape, love, God's love, the love feast. They would have this big dinner, basically kind of like a potluck dinner, a potluck dinner that they would call, this is the, the love dinner before the Lord's table. But their potlucks would be a little bit different than ours because you would bring, you would bring food just for your family. It wouldn't be bring food for other people. It would be you bring food just for your family. Now, that sounds like it would work out pretty well, doesn't it? Well, I mean, we, I've been to some potlucks and we do that. Hey, bring food for your family plus one or something like that. So they would do something similar, but it, just, it would just be their family that would, that would gather and that would eat. Now, let's remember that the church, any church, it's like no other place on earth especially in their day and age and their context. And here's why. The church brings people together who wouldn't normally be together. You know what I mean by that? The church brings people together who wouldn't normally gather together. In their instance, in, in Corinth, this is certainly true. Jew and Gentile. All right, now Jews and Gentiles, they wouldn't gather together. They wouldn't be seen. The only time that a Jew and a Gentile would really cross paths would be in places of business. Jew, Jew and Gentile, in that day and age, they had something like India in the sense of a caste system, rich people and poor people. They wouldn't intermingle. There would be uh, guild separations. What, what do you mean? Different jobs. So different jobs, if you have all the electricians, all the electricians, well, not that time, but uh, you know, you have construction, you have, you have the, those who work construction, you have others who do uh, different type jobs, they would all be in sections. You have old and young, the division of men and women. But in the church, and we say this often, the ground is level at the cross, Man, we all meet at the cross and then the church becomes the place, the haven where uh, believers of all faith or of all uh, lives and practices all come together. And there's times in our services, we have people who have been on the wrong side of the law and people who are the law. In our church tonight, just tonight, we have people who, who work full-time and people who are retired. We have men and women, boys and girls. We have ages. It's, it's a great place where all these people come together. Well, the church of Corinth was very similar to that. But here's what would happen. When they would have their agape feast and gather, they would actually be dividing up because in their culture, many times they couldn't get over eating with people that weren't like them. 
Remember the old phrase, old habits die hard? <laughs> old habits die hard? That, that would be them, the habit of division. It would die hard. So here's what you would have. You would have the rich people, you know what they would do? The rich people would all sit down and the rich people would be eating their, their food. Well, then you have the poor people who don't have much. The poor people would be looking over at the rich family as the rich family's eating and, and gording themselves and the rich family would be uh, the, one, the, the, the group of people that is merry and having a good time. And uh, Paul even writes a little bit later and says, hey, you've turned this into a drunken feast. You've, just, you've made a mockery of this. And so he writes to them, they were divided. They would come together for this feast, but... They would be split and the rich would isolate themselves from the poor and the uh, different divisions of the, sex, the, 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 the sections of the guilds would be divided. And Paul writes to them, I'm not gonna praise you for this because you're damaging. You're damaging what, you're, what you say you're uniting. 1 Corinthians 11, they were divided. Secondly, they were lying to themselves. What were the Corinthians doing wrong? They were divided but then also they were lying to themselves. Where do we see this? Go down to verse number 20. Verse 20 down through verse number 22. Paul says this, when you come therefore, or when you come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before, uh, before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What, have you not houses to eat and drink in or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So here's where we find those divisions explained of the rich and the poor. And Paul writes multiple times, uh, should, I, should I praise you for this? No, 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 I don't praise you for this. Why? Because you're lying to yourselves. Do you see that in verse number 20? He says, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Hey, you say that this is the Lord's Supper. You say that this is glorifying God. You, but this is, you have missed it. You are lying to yourselves. You have convinced yourselves that you are doing something good. You have convinced yourselves that you are right with God. You have convinced yourselves. And Paul says, I'm not gonna commend you on this because you are just simply lying to yourself. They thought they were celebrating the Lord's Supper. And Paul's like, hey, it's supper, but it's not the Lord's. This has nothing to do with God. And here's why. If Jesus were to be there, if he were to sit at dinner that night, participate in that meal, we can know Jesus would not eat a meal and let other people go hungry. Jesus would not use uh, uh, the idea of uh, religious pretext to satisfy his fleshly desire. Jesus wouldn't assemble with other people just to make himself look better. He wouldn't gather with other people just to be seen. He wouldn't, he wouldn't gather and then sit in the most important spot. And yet, when you go and you read all of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and you, you dive into it, you find that's exactly what they were doing. You see, it's easy to apply religious terms to things and hide behind the term, but not really know what it is. They were, they were applying the term of the Lord's table, but the term was meaningless because the substance wasn't there. And just because the right terminology was being used, Paul writes to them, this is not the Lord's table. When you gather together, you're saying you're gathering for the Lord's table, you've got it wrong. You're lying to yourselves. 
What were they doing? They were divided. They were lying to themselves. But then also tonight, they were forgetting the purpose. When they gathered for the Lord's table, they were forgetting what the Lord's table really was about. Notice, if you will, verse 23, down through verse number 26. It says this, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it. And said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. They were forgetting the purpose of the Lord's table. We know this because Paul, he's saying, hey, I've already written some things to you. I received this of the Lord and I've already delivered it to you. But let me give you a reminder because apparently you missed it. And then Paul goes through the the night that Jesus was betrayed. Here's what happened. After he was, while he was being betrayed, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he, he said, this is my body. He took the cup and he blessed it and he said, this is the New Testament or the new covenant of my blood. And both following both of these statements, Jesus would say, this do in, in remembrance of me. Hey, when you come together for the Lord's table, it's a remembering time that you remember what the Lord did and you look forward to his coming and the Lord instituted this for his church. So don't call it the Lord's table because when you come together for the Lord's table, your focus is supposed to be on the Lord, but not you. When you come together for the Lord's table, your focus is all on you. I'm not gonna commend you for this. I'm gonna correct you for it. This church, they were divided. They were lying to themselves. They were forgetting the purpose. It's what the Corinthians were doing wrong. So from the passage, what were the Corinthians instructed to do? All right, Paul, help us. What do we need to do? Well, if they're forgetting the purpose, then first, Paul helps them. You gotta remember the purpose. You need to remember what the Lord's table is. And what Paul does in verse number 23, he goes all the way back to the night when Jesus was betrayed. He rewinds on the journey, if you will, all the way back to that night and He would quote from a passage in Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew 26, verse 20, down through verse number 25, it says this. Now when even was come, he, Jesus, sat down with the 12. And as they did eat, he said, verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been better, it had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. They go back, Paul goes all the way back to the night that the Lord was betrayed and he recounts with them the betrayal being given, of course, from Matthew chapter number 25. Well, we have all of these verses in front of us so we can go and look at that passage. 
What would take place next is John chapter 13, verse number 30. He, Judas, having received the sop, having received that bread and dipped that bread, went immediately out and it was night. Judas leaves the room. Following that, now it's just Jesus. And if there were 12 disciples, now there's 11. Jesus and the 11 there, and you read these words. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, break it. And he gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is the, my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Paul quotes from these passages in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we can find a few purposes or a few reasons for the Lord's table. Why do we have the Lord's Supper? Well, three reasons that we can find from our passages tonight. Number one, we're remembering. The Lord's table is designed to point us back. What's it point us back to? It points us back to the cross. We're remembering what Jesus did for us, the fact that he selflessly gave his life and he allowed his, his body to be broken. And he did that for you. He allowed his blood to be shed and he did that for you. He allowed prophecy to be fulfilled for you. We won't do it tonight, but I would encourage you to go and research everything that Jesus went through before he went to the cross and all of the abuse and all of the, um, uh, all of the beatings that he took. And every time you read something, just remind yourself, he did that for me. Every time those, uh, that cat of nine tails went across his body, remind yourself, he did that for you. Every time that you read that uh, they pulled the beard or they punched him or they spit upon him, man, be reminded that his body was broken for you. And Paul writes to them, hey, when you take the Lord's table, you're reminded that his body, it was broken for you. This is my body that's broken for you, Jesus said. And Paul reminds them that we're remembering his body is broken, but also we're remembering his blood was shed. Hebrews chapter nine, verse number 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hey, do you realize, do we understand this tonight that forgiveness would not be offered, could not be offered had the blood of Jesus Christ not been shed? His blood was shed. The Lord's table is a time to look back at his body broken, his blood shed. What do we do when we partake in the Lord's table? Hey, church at Corinth, when you guys observe the Lord's table, you need to know that this is a time to remember, but also we are declaring we're not only remembering, but we are declaring. In the passages, it says that when you do this, you do show forth. You do show forth. The phrase show, it means to proclaim or to declare. Hey, we are declaring or we are proclaiming the Lord's death. We are proclaiming his sacrifice. We are proclaiming that he is the one who loved me and gave his life for me. We are declaring this. And Paul writes, hey, when you come together, when you take the Lord's table, uh, church at Corinth, it's not to get around and to get drunk and it's not to get around and, and be separated by guilds and, and factionalism. Hey, you're divided. You've forgotten it. You missed it. When you come together, you are coming together to remember what he's done. And then as a group, you are coming together to declare that you agree with what he's done and that he is your savior. You're remembering, you're declaring 
declaring, but then also he says that we are pointing. When we come together, we are pointing. Well, what, what are we pointing to? Well, we're pointing to the fact that he is coming again. Because Jesus said, hey, when you do this, listen, you do show forth the Lord's death until he come. And Jesus wrote, I'm not gonna partake of this again until I partake of it with you when I am with you. Man, I look forward to that day. Look forward to that day. I don't know what that's gonna look like, but man, I look forward to the day when we get to partake of the Lord's table with Jesus leading that service. Man, what a great service that's gonna be. Paul says, when you partake of this, you are pointing, you're pointing ahead at the fact that he is coming again. So church at Corinth, you need to remember the purpose of the Lord's table. You're remembering what he's done. You're declaring that you agree with it and that you've received it and it's personal. And then you're pointing, he is coming again. So what else should we do? What, what, else, what other challenges did he give? Number one, he said, you need to remember the purpose. Number two, take it seriously. Hey, take this seriously. Go to verse number 27. Verse 27, Paul says this, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, he shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this cause, many are weak and, and sickly among you, and many sleep. In these verses, Paul gives this topic, this idea, hey, when you partake of the Lord's table, you need to take it seriously. What should we be serious about, Paul? Well, you need to be serious about the Lord's table. You need to be serious about your dedication. You need to be serious to know that during this time, am I remembering, am I declaring, does my life match up with what I say I believe? Be serious about your commitment to Christ. Be serious about your commitment, your devotion to his people. Hey, you're coming together, church at Corinth, and you're divided. You're not taking this seriously. No, when you come together, verse 27, he says, when you come together, know that if you do this unworthily, you're guilty of the body and the blood of Christ. Now, what's he teaching here? If I, if I come together and I'm, I'm not serious in it, what, what is Paul saying? I'm, I'm unworthy. Here's the thought that you and I, when we think about the crucifixion, do you ever just get, do you ever just get angered at the Roman soldiers? Those of you that know the story, you think about those Roman soldiers beating the body of Christ. Think about those Roman soldiers and the cat of nine tails. You think about what I just explained a few minutes ago and even as it's described in the book of Isaiah or in Matthew 25, 26, 27. Think about all of that. We look to the Roman soldiers and we think, man, oh, I can't believe they would do that to the Lord. Didn't they know? And you, you know, we read the story and this is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And yet here they are beating him like a common prisoner. And, and we get mad, we get frustrated about that. That's horrific. Why would they do that to the Lord's body? Well, here's what Paul writes. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, he says, you're behaving no differently than those Roman guards because you are hurting the Lord's body when you come together and you're not serious about this. You see, the body of Jesus, 
the physical body of Jesus, the Roman soldiers beat that. But God said, hey, my church is my body. Jesus Christ, remember when he said that? He said, hey, the local church is the body. It's, the, it's a picture, it's a representative of Jesus. And Paul writes, when you come together and you are gluttonous and you're divided and you're all selfish, you know what you're doing? You are actually hurting the body of Christ. You are hurting other believers. You are guilty, just like the Romans. So what's the challenge? Paul says, take it seriously. Other people, they have died under the Lord's judgment because they disesteemed the Lord's body, because they didn't take it seriously. There are people that are sick and and bedridden because they didn't take seriously the relationship that they had with God and with his body. And Paul says, hey, this is a serious thing. The Lord's table is not something to be done lightly. No, no, no. It's not something, church at Corinth, that you can just say, well, we're doing the Lord's table because we're all gathering around and we're having a great time. Paul says, that's not the Lord's table. You've missed the purpose. Got to remember the purpose and you've got to take it seriously. And third, he says, you've got to look inward. You see, before you take the Lord's table, you need to look inward. Three verses, verse number 28, Paul says this, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Examine yourself first and then eat of the bread, drink of the cup. And then verse 31 and 32, four, because if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. In verse number 28, when it says, let a man examine of himself and so let him eat, it means After he's examined himself, let him eat. Here's what Paul is saying. Don't don't be looking around at everybody else. Look at your own life. Examine, test, discern. Look in your own heart. Look inward at your motives. Look inward at your personal life with the Lord. Look, Look inward if your life is truly remembering and declaring. See, when you come together for the Lord's table, you need to examine your life and say, am I ready to meet with the Lord? If I was partaking of this with the Lord right now, could I do it? He says, judge yourself in verse number 31. Because if you're gonna judge yourself in this stuff, then you won't be judged of others. You see, your responsibility in regards to the Lord's table is to assess where you are at spiritually. So he tells them, look inward. Look inward. But then also tonight, he tells them to be in unity. Hey, be unified, be in unity. Look at verse number 33 and 34. Verse 33 and 34, he says this. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that he that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. You see, when he says, When you come together to eat, tarry one for another. That phrase, tarry one for another, it means, hey, pay attention to each other. Assemble for the purpose of investing in and helping others. Hey, someone's hurting around you, church at Corinth. Hey, rich family over here, rich guy that's eating, that's uh, all merry. You need to look across the aisle and see that poor man and you need to understand, tarry for him, watch out for him, look out for him, help him. 
Assemble for the purpose of investing in other people. Someone is hurting and needs you to encourage them. Someone is hurting and needs you to pray for them. Someone needs you to encourage them. You see, what divisions do, divisions always damage, right? When things are divided, it always damages. When things are factionalized, split up into different sects, different sections or different groups, You know what God is for? God is very much for unity. Man, God is for unity, people being unified. If a person says this, you know, well, I just, you know, I don't don't need the church. I don't need other Christians. Hey, you're right. You don't need other Christians to be saved. That's just between you and the Lord. But a believer that says that they don't need the church is a believer that says, God, you lied. Because you know what God said? Hey, I want you as believers to be together. I want you to be unified. I want you to be in one mind and one spirit. I want you to be with one goal and one purpose. We read just a minute ago, Paul said, it's commonly reported that there are divisions among you and I believe it. (laughs) I partly believe it. That's like Paul saying, hey, I'm hearing that you guys have a lot of uh, factions and I'm hearing that there's a lot of fighting And I believe that there's a lot of fighting. What a sad testimony. What a sad testimony. I believe that you can't get along with other people. It's been told to me that you're a jerk and can't get along with people. And Paul says, I believe it. I believe that you're rude and that you're selfish. I believe that you're being divided. I believe that there's heresy and factionalism among you. And Paul challenges them to be in unity. Hey, when you come together, tarry one for another. Hey, look out for each other. Don't be divided in this. You know, God's word, it does have a lot to say about unity, doesn't it? I think about Psalm 133 and verse number one, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Did you know Jesus even prayed for believers to be in unity? In John 17, 11, Jesus prayed this for us. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world and I come to thee Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be, what's the word? One. That they may be one as we are. So when you come together, tarry. Look out for one another. Don't come together in pride and a gloating spirit. No, no, no. Judge yourself and come together with a spirit of unity. Hey, let's be honest. You want to know who some of the most fickle people can be? As Christians. Sometimes some of the most uptight, selfish people can be believers. Well, they took my seat. Well, they parked in my parking spot. Well, they didn't sing my song. Well, they didn't say hi. Well, that person didn't shake my hand. Well, that guy looked mean at me. Well, that, and we, we create our own divisions because of selfishness. And here's the believers at Corinth creating their divisions because they're sitting down, eating at tables. One group's over here partying. The other group's over here being poor. And Paul writes to him and says, hey, you guys are, in, you, 
you've got it all wrong and you're being selfish in this. God desires that we would be unified, tearing one for another. And so when we come together, we are to be looking out for one another. You know, I don't want to ever be a church. I don't ever want to be a Christian that when I come, God says, you've got it all wrong. And when I look at this, when I look at this passage, I, I need to know that when it comes to, especially to the Lord's table, that God has some prerequisites for me to look at, that to remember what the purpose of it is, to have my myself examined, to remember his death and his burial and his resurrection, and to declare that I agree with what he's done for me, and to point to when he comes again. And God desires that when I would come together, that there would be unity between me and, and those around me, because I've introspectively looked at my own heart and and, and said, God, show me like David, if there be any wicked way in me and search my heart. We should desire that for the Lord's table. And we're going to partake of the Lord's table in a few minutes tonight, but that should be our desire for every service. It really should. It should be our desire for every service where I come in to a church service, not just the special ones, not just the special ones. I said a minute ago as we started, don't you love some of those services where you just come in and you expect for things to go really well? You expect to leave blessed. Hey, as a Christian, I should want that every time I gather with believers. But here's how it happens. It happens when every believer remembers the purpose of the church. When every believer remembers to be in unity. When every believer comes in having examined their own life, I'm not, I'm not coming in to church this Sunday to say, here's what's wrong with everybody else. I'm coming in this Sunday to say, God, I need you this week. Lord, fill me up. God, help me this week. God, remind me of your death and burial and resurrection. And yes, the Lord's table is the time that we take a minute and we break the bread and, and take of the cup and we do that to remember. But every service is a time when we remember what he's done for us and we declare that we agree and we desire to use our life to point to him. And so when we look at 1 Corinthians 11, yes, there's a great practical application to the Lord's table service specifically, but there's also a great challenge to just church in general. And you see, sometimes as Christians, we get it all wrong when we come to church. And the church at Corinth, they were worse off by going to church because they were getting it all wrong. And the question I want to ask you is, are you getting it all wrong? Are you getting it all wrong? Have you, have you made your worship about you? Have you made your church attendance about uh, stroking your ego or your pride? Have you allowed yourself to become one of those Christians that, that causes division because things don't go your way? You see, I think it would be wise of us, not just on a night of Lord's table, but I had one of my friends yesterday said it uh, as he made a video for his church family. He said, hey, listen, remember, Sunday church is a Saturday decision. <laughs> hey, going to Sunday church is a Saturday decision. Man, I wonder what would happen if before every service, I would just say, God, if I would approach every service like I would the Lord's table. God, help me to remember why I'm doing this. 
God, help me to help me to remember what you've done for me. God, help me to be in unity. God, help me to come with a humble spirit. Lord, search me. Are you getting it all wrong? Maybe tonight would be a night that you would just examine your heart and ask the Lord to help help you make his church a better place. And secondly tonight, maybe you're here and you don't know Christ as your savior. And you don't know that Jesus is in your life. You don't know that you've trusted Christ. And tonight would be the best decision that you could ever make is to put your faith and trust in him. I hope tonight as we look that we would have the mindset that the Corinthians, they were getting it all wrong. It wasn't helping them. And may we tonight step back and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for the times that my pride drives my worship. God, forgive me for the times that my pride separates people from me. God, help God help me not to be like the church at Corinth and making, making my religion, making your religion, your relationship fit into my mold. God, help me to examine my own life and to break away all the facade and break away all of the selfishness and all of the pride. God, help me to get through all of that to remember the purpose. The purpose is to point to you, to declare you, to remember you. Not only at our Lord's table time, but God, every time I meet with your people, help me to remember it's not about me. It's all about you. I wonder tonight, would God say this isn't helping you because we're coming with the wrong motive? Or tonight, would God say, hey, you're getting it right. Hey, you came in empty and you're leaving full. You came to the doctor looking for medication and you're, you're leaving with an antibiotic and you're leaving with some help. Hey, you walked in here today with a broken down vehicle and you're leaving with a brand new car. And I wonder if we're getting it right or if we're getting it wrong. Tonight, may we introspectively examine our own lives and ask God, God, would you help me? Help me not be like the church at Corinth. Help me to receive the warning about church and then specifically about the Lord's table. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.